Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. You remember the guy, George Burgess? I like saying it like that because he's an art gallerist. Apparently that's a word. <laughs> I mean, gallerist, not Burgess. Burge, Burgi. It could be Burger, Burge, Burge, Burgi. Anyway, uh, B-E-R-G-E-S. He's like more than one Burge or Berg. He's the art dealer. He's the art dealer that dealt with, as art dealers do deal, that he dealt with Hunter Biden. And according to the Daily Mail, in a piece by Morgan Phillips, of all of George Berger's clients, Hunter Biden was the only one to ask him to disclose which clients bought his work. Well, that's interesting. This revelation came in testimony that has been viewed by the DailyMail.com. And you might want to sit down for this, folks. It calls into question the White House's insistence that they had worked out a deal to prevent any ethics concerns about Hunter's new lucrative painting career. Totally, it's just totally Russian disinformation. That, that he somehow or another was uh, selling access or influence or raising money for the Biden crime family or anything like that with, uh, with his new art career. Albeit as may, that he, he is apparently a pretty decent painter. I've seen now a couple of the paintings. They're not bad. They're not terrible. Walkin' Bob was correct. Walkin' Bob, frequent caller to the program, usually calls during his walks, and he was the first one who told me that the paintings aren't really that bad. And I saw one uh, last night, two, actually, last night. And Bob is correct. They're not terrible. I would not spend $42,000 on it, let alone buy another one for $52,000. But that's what Elizabeth Hirsch Neftali did. But then again, it did get her in a, an appointment to a prestigious board, and she's really rich. So I guess that makes sense. But here's the deal. We were told that the White House and the art gallerist, the art dealer, George Berger's, that they had worked out some sort of an agreement. So this way, obviously, Hunter would never know whoever bought his paintings because this isn't, by the way, this is very well known in the art world. Um, what? I know I know these things. I am a I'm a I'm a pretty big player in the art space what what art space it's a bar that's a... no i'm kidding no i'm i'm not but i have read this that this for for a very long time this has been a way to launder money right you overpay for art because who can really determine the value so you overpay for art and that artist then gets the money i need to start painting that's I'm going to make a note, note to self. 
start painting career. Okay. Um, so under the first contract that Hunter Biden had, there was a provision that required Burgess to disclose the names of the buyers to Hunter. Burgess calls that a highly unusual practice in the art world. Quote, normally the gallerist does not let the artist know who the collectors are. But Hunter was made aware of at least 70% of the identities of those who purchased his art. This is according to House Republican investigators, and it's based on Burgess's testimony. Months into his father's presidency, Hunter renegotiated a second contract where Burgess was required not to disclose the names of the purchasers to him. See? So there's a little kernel of truth in what the White House said. Oh, yeah, yeah, we totally did that contract. He wouldn't know. No, of course he doesn't know. Yeah, that's, but that's the second contract. The first one did the opposite. Burgess sold Hunter's first work on December 11th, 2020, less than a month before his father became the president. But after Joe won, so they had a very limited window. Man, like, could you imagine the pressure on Hunter to be painting? Like, dude, you got to crank out as many paintings as possible after Joe won and before he gets sworn in. And we got to do this other contract, right? We have to sell as many paintings for influence as possible. And you got like two months to do it. No wonder the guy turned to drugs. That kind of pressure, man, it must have been immense. Burgess also confirmed that one of the Biden donors, Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali, spent about 100K on two of the paintings. Her name was disclosed to Hunter Biden. She later got an appointment from President Joe Biden to a plushy art commission. He appointed her to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad, or the P-A-H-A, or as I like to call it, the PAHA. It's an obscure but prestigious board. She got that appointment eight months after Hunter's exhibition opened in New York City. Burgess, the art dealer, also revealed that Hunter's bong-smoking Hollywood attorney, Kevin Morris, bought about $875,000 worth of Hunter Biden's art. But, here's the key, he only paid $300,000 for it. Eight seventy-five, dollars but he only paid three hundred. dollars Why? Well, that's the commission, which is nuts. The gallery takes a 40% cut. The gallery takes a 40% commission. And so the rest of the money was kept as a loan repayment from Hunter Biden to his sugar brother, Kevin Morse, the bong-ripping lawyer from California, the one that's working on the Hollywood screenplay, the one that fronted him all the money to pay back his $2 million uh, tax bill, the one that was sitting next to him when he crashed the congressional hearing, that Kevin Morse. He's now backing a documentary film about Hunter. He has spent more than $5 million 
to financially support Hunter Biden, including offering him $2 million to pay back those IRS-backed taxes. Burgess said he was first introduced to the president's son by Hollywood producer and Democrat donor Lynette Phillips, who hosted at least one fundraiser attended by President Biden. Also, Hunter's attorney, Abby Lowell, the other attorney, told the House Oversight and House Judiciary Committees that if they were to issue a new subpoena, then they'll comply. So last week we saw the spectacle of him showing up at the hearing, offering, oh, totally testify right now. I'm totally prepared. Let's do this. Yeah. And then he leaves before Marjorie Taylor Greene can you know, whip out some more nudes off of his uh, laptop. But um, their argument at the time was, we're not going to comply with the subpoena because it wasn't duly issued. So if you issue us a new one, now we'll totally comply to sit for a deposition and a public hearing. The House Oversight and Judiciary Committees last week formally recommended to hold Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress after he defied congressional subpoenas for a closed-door deposition as part of the House impeachment inquiry against President Biden. But Abby Lowell penned a letter to the committees on Friday saying the initial subpoenas were not legally valid as they were issued before the full House of Representatives voted to formalize the impeachment inquiry against the president. Jonathan Turley says that's crap. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out walking bob see that i spoke his name and here he is bob welcome to the show how are you i'm good i hope you are got a lot of airtime today uh uh, i heard you mention me about the podcast earlier and i'm going i didn't get to hear the whole first hour i was wrapping up some work and i look forward to listening to that again your interview with the blaze reporter that will probably be one of the biggest news stories of the first quarter trimester of 2024. Yeah, it, it anyway. seems pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Since, since Vincent Van Gogh had two ears, a lot of the value of a painting was who painted it. And that's why this scheme by the Bidens was so transparent is because you know, even though the arts, and, and believe me, I don't think he painted it. He might have, they might have let him put, you know, a coat of white on the canvas Ooh, before they started. There's a conspiracy theory I haven't heard before. He did not yeah. paint the paintings himself. Well, not by himself. He had help. He had ghost painters. Yeah. But, the, you know, just like every other artist, a lot of the value is in who painted it. And in this case, 
who painted it daddy mm-hmm. and that's the case here and that's why he needed to know who paid what and how much the gallery owner doesn't want to disclose that information because an artist could ostensibly uh you know cut out the middleman and say hey mr buyer thank you for doing that if you want another piece just contact me directly will y'all give you a little discount mm. and so that goes way against the gallery owner's uh interest interesting which is weird because like a long time ago hundreds of years ago that was usually the way it was done right like these rich people would hire they become patrons basically for uh for artists and they would have them come in and paint various things in their their palaces or their estates or something like that. And they directly knew who they were. They would put them up in their place. They would feed them and have them paint all sorts of stuff. Well, in this case, I think that they would have to have the purchasers of the paintings blindfold themselves while the paintings got completed. Bob, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your walk, sir. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Um, This is John... 20 years ago, I saw a mob comedy called Mickey Blue Eyes. It's a pretty funny movie with Hugh Grant. Part of the plot was how they laundered money through selling the mob boss's son's art. His art was truly terrible. But whenever I hear the story about Hunter, all I can see is the art from that movie. (laughs) I've not seen the art from that movie. Like I said, it wasn't terrible. Uh, Mark wants to know whether... Uh, Hunter is a better painter than George W. Bush. Um, I don't know about the same. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe, maybe W is the ghost painter. We are through the looking glass here, people. Uh, emails Pete at the Pete com. Got messages here. This one is from Russ on Twitter at Pete Callender. He says, I kind of feel like we'd have a more just justice system if judges, prosecutors, police, and witnesses faced the same punishment as the defendant for misconduct. Loser pays in civil trials may correct a few issues also. Oh, I get it. So like if uh, somebody falsely accuses you of something and the, the penalty for you is like 20 years, the penalty of that perjury would be 20 years. Interesting. He also says, Russ also says, uh, I would never try to correct an expert pronunciator such as yourself, but I think Burgess is pronounced kind of like Joe Biden starting to pronounce it and then just kind of slurring the end of it. Well, see that I did not know that. So that the guy, the owner of the art gallery that told Hunter Biden the identities of the people that were buying his art, his name is George B-E-R-G-E-S. And I've been apparently mispronunciating it all this time. I've been calling him Berger's. I just kind of feel like it it deserved a kind of Frenchified inflection at the end there, you know? Because he's an art dealer. It's probably not even his real name. But that makes more sense. George Berger. That's That's probably how he does pronounce it, now that I think about it. Um... Seth suggests that the uh, the Hunter Biden ghost painter has got to be AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Have you seen her amazing artwork with painting her face? She almost looks like a real politician. 
That's a cheap shot. But sometimes we take them. Um, Ben says, what would be the difference with Jim Jordan as opposed to Hunter Biden? The, well, first off, as I understand it, uh, Jim Jordan was a wrestler and Hunter Biden was not. That's one of the, that's a big difference right there. Also, uh, one similarity, uh, they, they both tend not to wear blazers. I have noticed that. Um, what else? Difference. Uh, Jim Jordan's a congressman. Um, Hunter Biden is above that. Uh, he's like at a higher station in life. Um, I'm not sure if Jim Jordan wrote a book, but Hunter Biden did. And if Jim Jordan did write a book, I don't think he admitted to crimes, and Hunter Biden did in the book. So uh, that's just off the top of my head. All right, let me get back to the email. The man did state that he would do it publicly because he... Oh, good. All right. So this is about the uh, the willingness to appear before these different congressional committees after receiving a subpoena. The man did state that he would do it publicly because he want everyone to hear what's going on, as opposed to having what he say turned around behind closed doors. Why is it so pertinent to do it behind closed door when everyone can hear the testimony live and make a judgment for themselves? Okay, so a couple things. Uh, number one, as usually as part of discovery, um, there is um, th- there are depositions. Now, I know a congressional hearing is not a criminal trial. I do recognize that. Uh, so you've got different standards, obviously. But the historical standard has always been that they go in and get deposed first. And the reason they do that is because the people who are doing the deposing f- at the behest of these congressional committees – they are lawyers. The people who are asking the questions are usually lawyers. They work for the committee. And so they're proceeding in a way that is more in line with legal standards than, you know, members of Congress who may have no background in law. Right. So that's why you do the deposition first. You do it also to get them on the record. And then once you have all of that information, now you can incorporate it into your investigation, right? Now you'd go back and you're like, okay, what did he say? What's the information we have? How do these facts line up? And maybe he says stuff that explains some of the, the gaps, the blanks, right? He offers up explanations or, or motives that are benign, that, 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 that show he is innocent or you're pursuing the wrong path, or things he said in the deposition square with other information you have received from other sources that you have also deposed. So you are able to take a, the the whole point is to create the different steps so you can then verify, you can cross check, right? That's, and then you bring them into the hearing, which is essentially like putting them on the stand. And now you're able to say, okay, in your deposition, you said X, Y, Z, But we have this information. You're like you said, you were at this, you know, hotel uh, at this time. And uh, we found actually, no, we have information here that shows, you know, closed circuit TV that you were actually, you know, in this other location. How do you explain this? Right. That's the reason why you do two separate sit downs. Pretty standard. Um. Why is it so pertinent to do it behind closed doors? Okay, I got to that part. All right, so I hope that explains it, Ben. Um, 
Hunter Biden, regarding the Hunter Biden defense, uh, there is an old proverb. Is it Chinese? Not sure. Uh, but if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, you baffle them with BS. I have heard that. I have heard that as well. Dennis says, Pete, thanks for bringing on your guest at the beginning of the show today. Uh, his name is Steve Baker. Uh, it's available on the podcast. First episode that came down today. Uh, your interview with him just reinforces my belief that the Democrats playbook. Or the or sorry, the Dem playbook's main theme is to create their corruption practices while blaming the Republicans or the evil orange man of doing exactly what they are guilty of. With the help of their corrupt partners in crime, the lamestream media, they have been successful up till now. I started noticing this trend during the Hillary versus Trump 2016 campaign. And look at all the examples since then. Keep peeling that smelly onion, brother. Well, that is the thing about onions. Sometimes they make you cry. Um, and I think that, okay, good. That's it. I'm caught up. I'm caught up on all of the messages. Although I do have to, hang on. I do have to finish this because this is on the, um, uh, the lawyers for Hunter Biden saying that they will comply now. They said, if you give us another subpoena, now we'll show up for the deposition. Um, Jonathan Turley, who is, you know, law professor at George Washington University Law School, um, he says, Hunter is nothing if not consistent. As with his taxes and other federal violations, Hunter is asking for a mulligan just before an indictment. Since he was a young man, Hunter seems to have been told that he lives a life of privilege that entitles him to considerations denied to others. Indeed, in Washington, it was an open joke, like when Hunter was put on the Amtrak board and later made its vice chair. When pressed on his lack of credentials for the position, Democrat Senator Tom Carper of Delaware said, quote, Hunter Biden has spent a lot of time on Amtrak trains. <laughs> that was his qualification. Nothing is as funny as open nepotism in D.C. His life of entitlement would lead to a life of excess and debauchery. He was one of Washington's noble class, a scion of political dynasty. He would be brought in time into the family business of influence peddling with his uncles. For decades, the Bidens have been accused of selling access and influence to Joe. When things got legally difficult, Hunter could count on government guardians. When he lost his gun because his girlfriend tossed it in the... Uh, in the dumpster next to a school, right? Secret Service went to the gun shop, took all the records of the purchase. When Hunter lost his laptop, right? FBI agents showed up at the computer shop, conveyed an intimidating message to the owner, don't talk to anyone. When years of news reports forced the DOJ to investigate some of these crimes, the DOJ sat on the case until the most serious tax violations expired under the statute of limitations. It did so despite internal in, uh, objections that the period for prosecution could easily be extended, but they refused to do so. The DOJ then sought a plea bargain, so absurdly generous, it fell apart in open court. The cause for the collapse was an immunity agreement that was so obscene, no one other than a Biden would demand it, let alone get it. And as the DOJ noted in its tax-charging papers, Hunter spent his money on drugs, escorts, girlfriends, luxury hotels, rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, other items of a personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes. 
when the IRS finally moved towards prosecution, a Democrat donor named Kevin Morris gave him millions to cover his taxes and his lavish lifestyle, even though he had only been introduced to Hunter at a Democratic fundraiser not long before. And then, without a hint of irony, Hunter and his lawyer, Abby Lowell, guffawed at the notion of any prosecution because, quote, Hunter paid his taxes. He is now applying the same logic to the crime of contempt of Congress. Hang on, let me, before I get to the end of this here, uh, piece here, this is, by the way, I should, I should have said, this is from TheHill.com by Jonathan Turley. Uh, headline is, Say It Nicer, Hunter Makes a Familiar Last-Minute Offer to Congress. But before I finish it, let me jump on, uh, get the phones here and get Tim on. Hello, Tim. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me, man. Yes, sir. Uh, What's up? I, uh, I was listening to your show, and you were comparing Hunter Biden to Jim Jordan. Uh, well, no, and somebody I- asked me how they would compare, so I thought I made some pretty astute uh, comparisons. Well, yeah, but I was wondering, how do you compare Jim Jordan to Joe Paterno? How do I compare those two? Yeah, uh, Joe, the, the sexual allegations that both of them had. You know, Joe Paterno got fired. Uh, was he? Oh, he was. Wait, trade. Joe Paterno. What, Joe Paterno was sexually harassing people or abusing no. people. No, Jim Jordan did. Jim Jordan I mean, sexually Jim, abused uh, people. Sandusky, Son, Sandusky did. Jerry Sandusky did the uh, had the sexual allegations. Yeah. Like Jim Jordan had the sexual allegations. Wait, Jim Jordan did the same things that Sandusky did. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's not true, Tim. You're confused, things. Tim. You're confused. That's not the allegation, actually, against Jim Jordan. But it, it was... Well, hold on one second. I'm, my phone. Those were closer than the allegations, because Mm-mm. Jim Jordan was accused of allowing a uh, doctor yeah. to uh, sexual... Yeah, he was uh, accused of knowing and not doing anything, and uh, and if that was the case, I would expect him to be fully prosecuted. Nobody has right. brought indictments against him. So I guess that would they, be a good... They com- tried. Huh? They, they did try. Right, remember one of them tried. I do remember there was one individual that tried to make the allegations, and, and he was... And, and they destroyed them in court. They, uh, did, they, Paterno, they did destroy them in court. They, yeah, yeah, his allegations fell apart. No, his allegations didn't fall apart. Yeah, yeah, but, well, the, now, you remember the doctor... Okay. No, not doctor, Nasser. Okay, go. I was letting you talk. No, Nasser, you're, you, yeah, you're talking about you're talking about the wrestling program versus this doctor guy that you're saying, right? That's right. Nasser at Michigan. No, uh, well, Jim Jordan also had the allegations from a doctor as well. But there, okay, the team physician, the team physician, excuse me. Right, and the allegation was that he knew something and didn't tell anyone. Jordan denies that he knew anything, and all you have to base the mm-hmm. allegation on is one guy who hates Jim Jordan from the team. Now, the, okay, and Joe Paterno did the exact same thing. Yeah, well, Joe, well, I, I'm not so, Paterno. I'm not so sure Joe Paterno actually even knew anything, but. Anyway, I, I, I got it though, Tim. I, I would advise you read something besides, like I don't know, NBC or a leftist organization's publication on that, because there's more information I think that you you're missing on that story. Because I looked into it, and that's a years old story. Last point from Turley. Let me get this in before the end of the show, so I pay off the tease. Hunter Biden is now applying the same logic to the crime of contempt, the defiant press conference on the state uh, on the steps of the Capitol. Hunter crashed the hearing where they were going to vote on his contempt. You know, his sugar brother, Kevin Morris, was right next to him. The stunt caused pandemonium and infuriated members of Congress. He demanded that they yield to his demand. Once again, Democrats unanimously vote to protect him. Right? He wants another mulligan. That's that's what he's always interested in. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.